I'm Cat, and I'm an alcoholic and an old drug drug addict. So, in telling my story, my story is so fucked up. What it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. You know, I am. I was listening to Amy's story the other night, and she was talking about husband number one, number two, number three. Well, I got mother number one, number two, number three, and number four, and that's where I'm going to start off. Mother number one, who uh, gave birth to me and three little boys back-to-back, was uh, a Deb from a little bitty small town near Beaumont, which is a little bitty small town. But, uh, and uh, my dad, being the little badass that he thought he was, I guess, met her, and while he was dating somebody else to get married, had sex with her. Hence, me. And, um, um, and I don't know why they stayed together, because all they did was fight, but they'd fight and fuck and have kids. And that's what the 50s and early 60s were probably like. My mother left. It was a back-and-forth deal. My dad finally went and got us because she was laid up with uh, some people that had robbed a a drugstore, and they were too fucked up to even know we were taken. Uh, My dad came to California, got us, brought us back, and we stayed with him the rest of our life and she whose name shall not be mentioned we never we just knew her name was Mitzi that's all Um, there was we had a next door neighbor as children before my dad married number two and my mother had been in touch with her and we didn't know it but my mother had come to see us at school you know how we sneak around and um, she had gone to Berkeley and um, became a Berkeley hippie. And she has stayed in California all these years until February the 9th. And I flew out there and held her hand as she died. Um, um, during the time that between... But I was seven years old. My dad had all us kids. He had a babysitter who had a daycare. She had a teenage son, and and he raped me, and he hurt me, and he broke my spirit. And um, <laughs> I pushed it so far down that I could not remember anything until I got sober. And uh, the first thing this gal asked me was, has somebody had sex with you when you were little? And I was like, no. And then I remembered, Mr. Tim did. And he was 17 and I was seven. And um, my life would never be the same after that. Um. My um, my dad moved on to marry um, number two. He met her in a bar and thought she was so cute, and she was pretty. 
But um, she became a, um, we called them West End Wandas where I was from. They were always at the country club, always with one of the pros, golf, tennis, whatever, women. Um, but the good thing about all that was that my ma'am came to live with us. Now, ma'am lived with my grandmother. She's a little low, was a little low Creole lady. And for you, those of you that don't know, because we're from Southeast Texas, a Creole is Cajun and black. And um, she was, she helped my grandmother raise my uncle because my papa died um, when I was about three or four. And um, my uh, grandmother kept her on. And uh, they had bought her a house and, you know, but she still stayed with my grandmother because she wouldn't admit that she was uh, lonely. And... Um, and we loved ma'am. She loved us more than anything in the world. She would get up before the break of dawn to make sure that we had a big breakfast, <laughs> you know. And that's what I came to know love as, the smell of the kitchen in the morning. And um, ma'am stayed with our family until... Um, I started high school, and she um, got Alzheimer's. But my dad put her in a nursing home and took care of her until she died. And that was my mom, you know. And she'd come up to the school if I got in trouble. And she'd tell me she'd gonna wear my ass out when we got home. And she had a switch, and she used it. Um, I was a real troubled child in my early years. Um, and everybody knew that my father was a hard ass. Uh, he believed in, in beating, in whooping whatever was going on with you out of you. And um, it got to where, you know, I would get in trouble at school and they wouldn't even call my, my parents because I'd show up the next day with with uh, stripes up and down my legs and he always made me wear a dress <laughs> the day after because he was going to show me and he did. My self-esteem went meow. It would have already gone down but it was really down now because my dad was my, my dad was never a happy man except for one time in my life that I can remember. And um, and when uh, Daddy's not happy, nobody's happy. But he was an alcoholic, young, a young alcoholic. Um, he'd come home from work, and, and my family calls me Kelly and tell me, Kelly, go fix Daddy a drink. And I knew that start off mild, but I'd get him at the end and put him to sleep. Now, ma'am, she had a secret to use on these men who'd get drunk and not take care of their business. She'd make them some rice and gravy for the next day and put these little um, oily-looking uh, pills in there, and um, it'd make them shit their brains <laughs> and I practiced that on my dad and I got real good at it um, 
I would show him who wore my ass out. Not that I didn't deserve it some of the times, but um, you know how it is. So um, in the fourth grade, I wrote F-E-C-K with a permanent marker all over the girls' bathroom. Now, I went to school in the West End, and little girls there didn't know about bad things like that. And... um, shit I didn't even know about bad things like that except for what had happened to me and I never put the two together until later Uh, I just knew it was a bad word my brother showed it to me in a a nudie magazine and so it it was bad and for some reason I did it and uh, I was real impulsive and uh, you know they took me to the office and they said, we're not going to call you dad. Don't do it anymore. And you got to see the counselor at school every week who was a sweet little low lady. She followed me to high school and I kept seeing her. Um, when I was in junior high, my stepmother... Um, my dad bought her a, a, a charger, um, the old chargers that had the 4-0-whatever engine in it, and and she was tiny. She was like 4 foot 11 and had bleached blonde hair and so cute, and she'd come pick me up, and all the boys in school would crowd around her, and here I'd be. And um, that did a lot for my self-esteem. And shit just was always like that in my life. Um, In high school, uh, uh, I remember when I was a freshman, um, I had had a crush on this guy that was a senior. And my stepmother took me to the fucking doctor because she was positive I was not a virgin. And I hadn't slept with anybody, but uh, she was going to make sure she told my dad I wasn't a virgin. And um, he made her leave the room, the doctor did, and he asked me what happened to me because he could tell I'd been torn up. And I told him. uh, And he, no, I didn't tell him who. I just said somebody hurt me. And, um... I was afraid that that person would go and um, kill my brothers. You know, I don't know if he made that threat or not, but my brothers were the only thing I had in this world. And we all slept in one bed when we were little. And it was me, my brother Freddie, who's next to me, my brother with Down syndrome, who some of you know, Clay, and my baby brother, John David. And when I went to sleep at night, I had to have my feet on the two down there and one in my arms so I'd know we were all safe. And um, we, um, so, uh, you know, we get in high school and... um, I had no idea that I was cute. None. I had long hair, 
and I wore 501 jeans and V-neck t-shirts, usually black, um, and tennis shoes or thongs. And that was the 70s, the early 70s. And um, I hated school because of where I went to the West End schools with all the little rich girls. And they were allowed to dress like they wanted to dress, uh, party, have parties, go on dates. And I couldn't even shave my legs till I was a freshman in high school. My father was that controlling. When we were young, we got vaccinations, and they left a scar. He made them give me a vaccination under here because he didn't want his daughter scarred. He was always, my father had, and has always been like this, um, trophies. And his children, he could take out anywhere, and we would sit there like little adults because we knew better, and people would just praise him. Oh, your children are so good. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Um, the um, In high school, though, um, I learned about running away and skipping school and smoking weed and... I started drinking when I was eight years old because my daddy had me make him drinks. And when he got to a certain point, I could take some. And uh, I just, he'd say, where'd all that liquor go? It was uh, some Jim Beam. And he'd go, where'd all the beam go? And I'd say, Daddy, I made you strong drinks last night. I didn't tell him I had a few shots out of it, too. Uh, when I was in... Junior high, um, uh, I got caught with alcohol at school, and uh, once again, they didn't call my dad because they knew what would happen to me, and they were worried I was drinking at school, and they had good reason because I did. Um, <laughs> but when I was in high school, I really started getting fucked up, and... Um, I don't know how I made it through school. It was miserable. Um, I got pregnant, and uh, they whisked me away to my aunt's house in another town where I was kept out of sight, and I could go nowhere but to church And uh, until the baby was born, and my uncle, who was an attorney, made arrangements is what they told me and I was underage and my dad said you're underage and you're my responsibility and I'll make the decisions for you all I know is that I had a little boy and um, he would be 42 today 43 um, I was young and um I came back to town, and uh, I was it, everything in our house was. We talked about it, hollered about it, screamed about it. Um, I, he did the hollering, screaming, not me. I sat there, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, 
And, uh, I mean, he whooped my ass when I was in high school because I got pregnant. I mean, you just don't do that. But um, I um, came back, and uh, within a few months, I got pregnant again. Uh, because what? Because sex meant what to me? Love. The only thing I ever wanted out of a man was love and kindness, and they knew it, and I was a target for it. And um, this time he took me to have an abortion. And he made me go through the class and all that. What I didn't know at the time is he had taken stepmother number one, mother number two, to have an abortion at the same clinic the month before. That's how he knew where it was. And on the way back... He said, you know, do you, do we need to talk about this? No, sir. Are you going to be okay? Yes, sir. Then we don't need to ever bring it up again. And don't tell anybody in the community. Yes, sir. And that night I went home and um, there was a cat crying outside my bedroom window. And if you know cats, they sound just like a baby when they're crying. And I thought... Son of a bitch, God is raining on me tonight. He is telling me that I'm going to hell because I had an abortion. And life went on. And then my grandmother, God rest her soul, wanted me to be a dab. (laughs) And I had to. I couldn't tell her no. And I couldn't tell everybody why. And I dressed up in this long white gown and these long white gloves. And I got a friend of mine to be my escort. Not a friend of mine, a friend of my family. And um, we did what we had to do. And then when we were free, switched off. He went with his girl and I went with my guy. But uh, there were a lot of activities for a solid week, like at the art club and having a tea and, you know, in between I was smoking weed and drinking. And he told me, and, and when they present you in this town, you have to walk out on a stage and you have to have this humongous curtsy that I had to practice for Weeks, and um, all he said was, "You better not fall down. You better come up." And I count. I remember counting because I'd taken a Valium, Mother's Little Helper, uh, and back then that's what they were called. And uh, my stepmother gave it to me because she didn't know I was smoking weed and drinking. And uh, I got up on that stage and I went down one, two, three, four. Up, two, three, four. And I made it. And I came up, and uh, I think I could hear my dad go out in the the audience. And I know the guy that escorted me did. And I think my grandmother paid him or something. I don't know. Um, I come from a real wealthy family, a a Republican family. And... um, Graduation came around, 
and I was free. And um, I had discovered beer joints, beer joints, not clubs, a, a, a beer joint in the 1970s. And uh, you go in and half of it is rednecks and the other half are real bikers. Well, you know, I'm going to go this way. And I had met this guy. <coughs> I thought he is the best looking thing. Oh, my God. He was 25. And I was 18. And I just knew he was going to love me. Oh, wait. Before that. I forgot to say this the last time. Um... As soon as I turned 18, no, as soon as I graduated, I joined the fucking army. Now, that was, have you ever seen that movie with that gal in it? That, it I don't, Goldie Hawn or somebody. And it, I swear to God, that was me. They made my story. Um, when we got to reception, I couldn't remember uh, what um, uh, unit I was in, and uh, they told me. And the set, at the set, exact time they told me, I remembered and said Charlie. <laughs> so Charlie was my name, and I I always had pseudo personalities. Some people call it multiple personalities, except I didn't forget about them. I, I remembered about them, and I took care of them. But um, when I uh, met this drill sergeant in the Army, he was hollering and screaming in my face, and I told him, excuse me, but you don't talk to me in that tone of voice. I got dropped for 25 push-ups when I first got there and couldn't do 10. So I learned um, slowly and a lot of push-ups later to keep my damn mouth shut. And um, I, um, I got out. Uh, I got out of the Army with a trainee discharge so that I could come back because I got pregnant again. I'm a fertile myrtle. I swear, you can look at me and I got pregnant. Not, but um, my wife could have probably got me pregnant. Um, I came home and nobody was going to take this baby. Nobody. I was going to have me a person that loved me unconditionally and I did and his name is Patrick Douglas Ram and he is the light of my life um back up just a little bit remember that biker I told you I met well we got together when I was about three or four months pregnant and he tried to talk me into giving the baby up for adoption. And I said, fuck, no, I'm leaving. He said, no, don't leave. I like I like you. 
And, um, but we agreed that I would get an apartment once the baby came. And he was there when the baby was born. He went through 24 hours of labor with me. I had toxemia and preeclampsia. For those of you that don't know, that's high blood pressure, and you swell up like, swell up like a whale. And uh, I was a little bitty thing for a long time. This is sobriety. I'm healthy. Um, and I moved into an apartment. I had to go borrow 125 bucks from my dad. And he gave it to me. It's one of the few times I didn't have to pay him back. And um, <laughs> about the second night by himself, he started coming to the apartment. I'd hear him rumble in about 2 a.m. And he and, and these were apartments kind of like an old... It was two-story, but you had a hallway, and it was a big old wide hallway. And not like it was probably built in the 40s or 30s or 20s. Um, it was really old, but I loved it. It was mine. And he he stayed every night. His, his compadres furnished it for me, um, you know, uh, He stayed every night until he said, why are we doing this? Why are we paying rent on two places? I said, you're the one that said you didn't want me there with a baby. And all this time, he's playing with my baby and connecting. and um, That was about three months. And he said, please come home. So I did. He loves me. And you know what? I went to nursing school. He was an electrician. I went to nursing school. We bought a house, two houses, boats. I drove a Corvette. This is late 80, late 70s. And uh, I went to nursing school, and I thought life was going to be great. But in 1980, remember my brother Freddie that I'm so close to? He was murdered. Um, my other little brother, John David, is queer as $3 bill. <laughs> and we had two queer joints. And I can say that because I'm queer. But we had two queer joints. And uh, my brother, Freddie, was just super straight. Couldn't understand. And he was going down there to talk to my little brother and and one of the guys they were him and his buddies were going down there and they shouldn't have been down there and they were rising the queers and uh he said if you think you're so big and bad get out of that truck and they shot him now that particular night i was working in cicu cardiac but my friend that was working in emergency room had a lunch break, so I got called down. And I, I walk in there, and I can tell they're working on this this guy, and I made a smart-ass remark like I always did. Like, that poor bastard's not going to make it. He's lost too much blood. And then they started doing their report, and 
I heard my brother's name. I ran in there. They're running him up to the OR. And I begged him, please come through this. They operated on him for almost eight hours and um, put him on, they intubated him. And um, my dad was all fucked up, man. He didn't know what to do. This was his pride and joy. And uh, football hero in high school, all that. Namesake, number four. Um, and he, you know, my, I'm, I'm sitting there. I've got blood all over me. And my dad said, um, Catherine Lee, I knew it wasn't going to be good because that's my name. We never used any of my, my, nobody ever used my real name until I got sober. And he said, I cannot make this decision. I need you to tell me what to do. And so I said, my brother would never want to live like this. Just turn it off. He would never want to live unconscious. I didn't know he wasn't going to make it, not even two more minutes. And um, I got to be there and hold him while he died. They say the last thing to go is your hearing. And I sang his favorite lullaby. It was the biggest funeral that town's ever seen. I was devastated, and so was my little brother, John David. Two or three days later, he packed up and left for California, and he's only been back a time or two. Um, I forgot, when I was 16, I ran away and met my mother. I ran all the way to Montana. You know, I just knew she would be so happy to see me. And she was for about three months. And then she was convinced I was fucking her husband. And, well, I wasn't. He was ugly. And I had plenty enough in town. Um... She came to the funeral, and that's kind of when our relationship got back together. I left the hospital that night, and um, I was due to take my state boards, and I never went back, ever. And I never took my boards. And I'm never a nurse again. And uh, they gave me a bottle of Valium and uh, a bottle of George Stickle. And I was in oblivion until the funeral. And, and, and my dad hated 
oh, by, by then, we've gotten married because we love each other so much. And uh, I really did love him, though, at that point. And uh, But he, my dad walked over and said, we can't let this family be divided. You need to come to my house. <laughs> yeah, okay. We rode up on the motorcycle. And I had a friend of mine take care of the baby. <laughs> I think he thought we were going to come in a vehicle. We didn't own a vehicle. I mean, we had a mattress on the floor. We had a couch. We lived in a little brick, one-bedroom, one-bath house. Perfect for two people. It's just on the wrong side of town. Um, and he and my brother got along real good. But Freddie was gone, and my life would never be the same again. I've had several never be the same in my life. Um... My husband, during all this time, I can't remember, I, I got pregnant, and we had an abortion, and then I got pregnant again, like back to back, just like in high school, and uh, we decided we, we were getting a message. That was me. Freddie was giving me a message. And uh, I had my second baby, his son, and he, Dakota is his name. And uh, I love that baby with all my heart. But it just seemed like that was his baby and Patrick was mine when he was, after he was born. And... Um, a lot of other things happened after that, right when that baby was born. Um, my husband joined the fucking banditos. I hope there's not a brother in here. <laughs> Cheers to you if they are. Um, and that changed our life. Before that, if my husband said, get on top of the roof and jump, I'm going to catch you. If I looked down there and didn't see anything, I would jump because I knew he'd be there. Because we had each other's back like that. We fought clubs, a whole club one time. I got the gals and he got the guys. And we fought our way to the motorcycle. I mean, he taught me to fight and, and to be a badass because people had beat me up. And um, he changed during all that. And um, started whooping my ass. He had never touched me before that. But he didn't do it because he was angry at me. He did it to show them what a badass he was. No gal's going to talk to him like that, you know. Because uh, they don't put up with that shit. Or they didn't. They're pussies now compared to how they were in the 80s when they first came. Um, 
again, I hope there's not one in the room. <laughs> um, and I started dancing. <clears throat> My life was never to be the same. Uh, he brought this gal home and said, um, what time is it? Oh, I got to hurry. He brought this gal home and said she was going to live with us. I said, I don't think so. If you think she can make money, I can make twice that amount because I'm stupid like that. And uh, so I started dancing, and that's when I really started doing drugs. Uh, life went on. He whooped my ass. He handcuffed me to a toilet one night when all his brothers were there. Uh, shit like that. Uh, I finally got the nerve to leave him. And I, I had lots of nerve because I ran to another brother. And, um, you know, property is exchanged all the time. And I showed him. I showed him. Yeah, I did. Uh, I got with this guy who was shooting dope and did heroin. And um, that was husband number two. And uh, I um, got strung out. And he, my husband number one could tell they're not dumbasses. Uh, and I knew a lot about their business. And uh, I'm not going to go into all that. But I thought they were going to kill me because uh, they came after husband number two because you're not allowed to shoot dope. And so we were exiled from the club. And my husband took my kids. My ex-husband took my kids and left town with them. He took both my boys. My boys. And... uh, he took them in 1985, and I was so strung out, I couldn't do anything about it. 1987 came around, and I got busted. And I went to court, and the judge said, you know, I told him to put me in prison because I didn't know any other way I wasn't going to shoot dope. I didn't know they shot dope in there. And... Um, <laughs> I've been so naive all my life. Um, and I went to treatment. It was the first heroin addict they had. They had a lot of rock stars. That's what they called them back then because crack had just come out. So th- I got sober the first time. It lasted five years I went back out because I smoked some weed, and I came right back. And I did that a few times, several times, as a matter of fact, four times. And uh, the last time I got sober, the last time I relapsed, I relapsed on cheap-ass wine, the screw-top kind. It didn't even have a cork. That's how classy I'd gotten. I came to Austin. I wanted to be able to drink like the gals I worked with. They all went to happy hours and all that shit. I tried. I couldn't do it. I cannot handle my alcohol. Besides that, I'm diabetic and alcohol is sugar. I could have one drink and I'm out. So um, 
I came in this room and I got sober again. And and this room has sustained me what it's like. Now, what did I do? I found God. I cleaned house. And I started working with other alcoholics. Hi, Georgia. That's right, man. And, um... I remember I never got more than five years sober. I got five years, two weeks, and some change one time. I just couldn't do it. And I remember when I got six years sober, man, everybody was jumping up and down with me, man. I was was jumping all the way up to the podium. My sobriety date is... December 15th, 2009. But I've been in this program since August 31st, 1987. And the total amount of time that I've been out of the program, we figured it up one time, was about 18 months. I am devoted to this program. Um, Some people helped me get custody of my children, of my oldest son first. And he said, I said, son, I don't have much anymore. And he said, I don't care, mama, as long as I'm with you. Real quick, I'm going to tell you the Christmas story because this is what our program is all about. It was my first Christmas with my son, and um, (laughs) we took computer paper, and back then it was all stuck together, so you just it up there and um, we drew a Christmas tree on it we put cotton balls and popcorn and you know um, I didn't have shit but I did have a piece of furniture uh, an old pie safe that I had gotten off the side of the road and rehabbed and this guy this guy wanted it for his wife and he would said he'd trade me a go-kart for it. And um, I got that go-kart for my boy. And uh, the night before Christmas, they were singing. My group, my home group was doing caroling. And um, they came by and they brought food and presents for both my boys, because I was supposed to get my baby, my baby also for Christmas. And they left, after they left, and we had a grand time. I was putting things away, and there was a little bitty loaf of banana bread. And on the bottom of that loaf of banana bread was taped a $100 bill. Now, $100 was a lot to me. I was in college going to school to be a social worker. I thought I was going to make a living at it. And um, that's what the program's all about. When you are down and out, we will be there for you. If you, if the hand of, if somebody needs us, my hand of AA will always be there. I do the best I can. I'm in these rooms every day because I'm too afraid not to be. Um, I love this program. 
but I know what kind of alcoholic and drug addict I am. I'm the kind that will wreck everybody to get back to the lowest piece of dirt I can find to call a partner or a husband. And um, and that's the way it is. But in here, I've got a couple of sponsors that I work with. Um, I'm married to an awesome lady, and we've been married 15 years. I never knew I could be committed that long to anything but the program, and I never made it that long. Um, yeah. I've had a spiritual awakening, and I know what it's about. And it's about love and honor and self-esteem. And I came to Austin. I got into graduate school at UT, and I'm studying for my state boards now to be a therapist. From a whore to a therapist, that's what this program can do. I, I call it like I see it. I, I'm not shy about what I did, even though they called me shy back then. Uh, yeah. So uh, work the steps because it will it will make you a new person. And if you ever need something, call me, and I'll help you find what you need. Not drugs. <laughs> not alcohol. But other stuff, like rent or whatever, because I'm a social worker. So um, I want to thank y'all for listening. I was really afraid nobody would show up tonight, you know, and I thank you for coming. And um, please don't pass judgment. Um, I'm always afraid to tell my story because I was such a bad person. But... I'm not anymore. I'm about as good as I can ever get, I think. (laughs) So, um, again, thank you and God bless. Uh